church broadcast this morning. We are in love with Jesus and we're in love with his word. And so we've come to receive from heaven. Amen. So if you would open up your Bibles this morning with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. Praise God. We're uh, ministering on a subject that's as broad as the, as the world on getting hooked up with heaven. Do y'all want to get hooked up with heaven? Yes. I've been hooked up on the wrong thing and been hooked up on the right thing. The right thing is better. Is. And so we want to look at something that we've talked about many times, but it might be applicable this morning in a realm. It says in verse 9, uh, the setting there, the context is, is Adam is in the garden. Him and Eve have been in the garden, and they've uh, eaten of the forbidden tree in the midst of the garden. God said, you can have it all, all of it, and I'll give you 79,000 trees that are wonderful. He said, but just because of the tithes, because of the principle of honor, don't eat of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, it's got to be there, but you can't, you can't eat it. And so they did. You know the story. In verse 9, the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? Would you say that part with me? Where art thou? Now that's a question that God's asking. Uh, the Living Bible says, why are you hiding? Why are you hiding? Puts another little glint on it, not like just while he's in the garden. Why are you hiding? And uh, that indicates that God's never caught him hiding before. This is a new behavior. This is a new modem, uh, mo modi there. The, the literal translation, if you get into the Hebrew, this is, this is interesting. God asked Adam, why are you where you are? Why are you where you are? Not where are you, but why are you where you are? Because you know the Lord did know where Adam was. <laughs> he was talking to him. You know, he was like, I see you. So where, whereas before he had indicated that he'd never hid before, this was an indication that we've done something naughty and uh, that we're going to have to have an adjustment. Did y'all know there's a, there's, a, there's, a forever, there's a reaction to every action? You know, you go, well, I sinned the other day. I said a naughty word or I lied or whatever people do and nothing happened. That's absolutely right. Nothing happened. There is no judgment from heaven. We're in the day of grace and the church age. And Jesus took all the penalty. But there is also another thing going on where the wages of sin are death. And so God didn't send any. Heaven didn't lease lightning bolts or, uh, you know, make you lose your job. But absolutely sowing and reaping. Right. It's in your life and it cannot come out of your life. So... Uh, Concerning Adam here, why are you where you are, brings up a principle that it's imperative. Our, our goal is not to be pleasing to God in the sense of, you know, a religion that's always trying to do the right thing. But it's, it's an endeavor to cooperate with heaven, to be at the right place, at the right time, with the right people, and a right motive or purpose. Yeah. That's what you're working on. That's what you're, you're, you're honing or maturing or perfecting. Not, not to be just out of sin. That, you know, it's, it's a low level of living when you're just trying to stay out of sin. So many churches, you watch their church signs, and they talk about stuff that, that indicates just try to get out of hell. You know, get, get Jesus so you can miss hell. Uh, there's one down, down our way that said, uh, exposure to the sun, S-O-N, keeps you from burning later. And I can hardly tell you how much I despise signs like that. It is my job to criticize, to judge, and to condemn signs like that. Because they are just full, smack full of religion. Exposure to the sun makes you avoid burning later. Well, that, that, there's no relationship in that. There's no chasing Jesus. There's no savior relationship. It's just like, miss hell. Just don't go to hell. Well, he there's no heaven without Jesus. But anyway, I won't get on that. <laughs> 
So the right place, the right time, with the right people, with the right purpose or vision or goal or dream or, or motive. That's what I'm working on. It's sometimes you get trapped being with the wrong people. You know, yesterday I was with people. It wasn't, they weren't trying to school. I wasn't under their mentorship. I was trying to impart to them. And I, I said, the one thing I need you all to do is get hungry. God, I'm not I, but I pray for you, is that you'd get hungry for the things of God. That's, that's why you are where you are today, is because you got hungry. Dr. Cole always says you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, which is an old axiom. But then he said, but you can salt his oats. So we endeavor here at River Church to salt oats all the time so that we'll get hungry and thirsty. But uh, you can be so wrong if you're so right in order just to be good. If you're just wanting to miss hell. And I'll tell you, for those people that are like that, they never get it settled, it doesn't seem like, where they say, well, I'm born again. Hell's not even a part of my conversation. Isn't that what it is with us? Going to hell is not a part of our conversation. It's not a part of our what if or if I did or did I cross the line or did. We're saved. We're born again. We are sealed. I'm sealed. It's, it's uh, Adam wasn't sealed. But we're sealed. Jesus sealed us. And so once you are sealed, you're in. Now, lots of people don't like that. They want a penalty. I already told you the penalty for, for, uh, uh, for acting naughty on the earth. The, the devil's going to have access into your life. The curse is going to be able to uh, uh, work on you. And you're going to have seed time and harvest. You're going to sow bad things, and it's going to come back in multiples. God loves you. God's helping every day. We get up, and God said, today, he finally got up. His feet hit the ground. Now, let's, everybody in heaven, let's engage to help. Get this thing better than it was. That's, it's the goodness of God that leads men to change. And so heaven is activated. It is activated in making things happen. Don't ever think God's against you, but even as bad, don't think he's neutral. He is proactive to get the best of heaven into your life. It is the goodness of God. Now, you know, it's not that way with men. If we mess up, if you mess up and break the law, somebody's coming after you or looking for you. But uh, so we all try to just stay neutral. But actually, contrary to men and to government, God is really trying to get something good into your life. Nothing. It says everything happens for a reason. You hear that. Well, everything good happens because God was behind it. Every good and perfect gift comes from heaven. Hallelujah. So in Hebrews chapter 10, would you slip over there? Why are you where you are? Is what heaven, what God asked Adam. Hebrews chapter 10. Y'all good this morning? Yes. It's good to sit under the Word. Yes. It's an adjustment. It's a, it, it keeps us straight. It's not like we're bad people needing to get corrected. It's that we need to be affirmed. Because right. time, you know, we lose ground. We, we have to be affirmed. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, we could ask, or the Lord could ask, and he does, not indirectly, but he's asking, why are you where you are? Not for judgment, not for condemnation, certainly not for punishment or discipline, but he's asking, why are you, Jack? Why are you where you are? I've given every opportunity. I've opened every door. I've been there with angels. I've been there with Holy Spirit paving the way. I've connected people to you, brought them into your life. I've put church in front of you. I've had uh, uh, scriptures that Grandma prayed in your hearing that you can listen to. Why are you where you are? Why aren't you further along? Because in the kingdom, one thing, you can go as fast as you want. If you're in the third grade, you can't go to the fourth grade until they say you pass the third grade. You've got to endure the time, even if you're brilliant. And you, you mastered all the third grade, they're going to make you sit there while the dummies try to catch up. Is that right? But in the kingdom, it's not that way. Go as fast as you want. You want to grow? You want to, have, you want to mature? You want to be perfected? You want to, you want to know the will of God for your life? you just got to stop your other life that never allows downtime. You know, well, when you get time, would you do this for me? Nobody gets time. 
Nobody gets time. You just, you just, car, you just stop your world and make time. There's no, there's no idle time or downtime. Not in this world. Little House on the Prairie, maybe they did take a little nap on Sunday afternoon, but now you, you have neglected something if you take a nap. If you got three kids, <laughs> you got to get up and make sure everything's still where it was when you left it. Hallelujah. So uh, here in the church, here in the kingdom, the Lord's always, it's, it's in Holy Spirit, not condemnation, but a convicting us, leading us along to run our race and to finish our course. It's not pressure, but there's always a purpose in your life being here that's saying, let's finish this. Let's get it done. Let's grow. Let's increase. The time is short. And in verse uh, 22, I believe we're at, 1022, um, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let us draw near. Let me draw near. Well, God, if you want me, just mention it. Just come in. No, he said, you draw near. Having our hearts sprinkled from an even, evil conscience and our body washed with tr pure water. Verse 23, more on that. Let us hold fast the, our, the profession of our faith, of my faith. Let me hold fast. Let me get a grip. Let me get a grip on my faith, not just be passively, well, if, if the devil comes, if mean people come, I'll, I'll go back to the back room and, and turn on the generator and crank up my faith, you know, because we're under attack. He said, no, have it on all the time. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. The word there means leaning firm. For he is faithful that promised. Now, verse 24. Now, there's two. Why are you where you are? Well, there's two reasons you need to keep. Two, two uh, goals that we, we all need to come to, to grips in the kingdom. And, and there's, it's not just stay out of sin. Now, if you're in certain churches that are legalistic and lawful and, and hell's the subject, they're just wanting you to stay out of trouble. In other words, it's always to get out of trouble, stay out of trouble. But that's not us. We're not in trouble. If we sin, we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sin's not a problem with us because Jesus solved the sin problem. It's not a problem with heaven. But I can tell you, almost all churches, that's all they preach about is sin. You bad thing, you. I know what you've been thinking. I know what you've been doing. Well, yeah, preacher, you did it too. You're, you're, you're one of us, just in a speaking mode. He said, uh, so there's two things, things you shouldn't uh, ever miss. Verse 24, and let us consider one another, here it is, to provoke unto love and to good works. To provoke unto love and good works. Now, that's what we're supposed to be doing. How are you going to do that? Are you going to call somebody up and start preaching to them? No, but when you see them, you're, you're salty and you're, you're a light and you're salty. That's right. We're salty. We make them hungry for the things of God. Wow, I, I didn't know that. And yeah, I should have prayed. And yeah, I, I like what God did for them. It makes them say, I, I, I should go and do likewise. I can do better. I want to do better. Doesn't it help you when you get around a salty Christian to say, uh, you're not condemned, but it's like, I need to pick it up a little here. Yes. I need to pick it up. It's, I can do better. I want to do better. I don't like not doing better. I'm going to pick it up. So he said here, let us consider one another. So considering one another means it's not about me, is it? It's about others. I'll be better if I take care of others. If I take care of me, it might change. It might go up a little, but it might go down a little bit. But if I consider one another, my life is insured. My life goes up. My life increase. Yeah. How do you get more in your life? You give it out. If you need mercy, you sow mercy. If you need finances, send a check. This morning, we, we got up and, uh, and Deborah Ann, she was talking about something. And she said, uh, let's send... She said, we, we ought to help Nicole Howe. Don't y'all love Miss Nicole? She's just sweetie, and she quit her job, and she's just in the kingdom, and she said, uh, said she's doing this and that on Facebook. So I went into the office and wrote Nicole a check. Amen. Amen. 
If you're paying attention, it's coming, girl. <laughs> Just wrote a check. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love, to provoke unto love and to good works. So uh, the word provoke means to contend or to incite. You hear that right now where people are inciting riots. Well, we ought to incite love and good works. We ought to burn with it. Like what? And really getting up and saying, what can I do today? What should I do today? And what can I do to carry that out? And then verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner or the habit of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. So exhorting one another. Are you an encourager? Are you someone that opens your mouth and said, I, we got this. You can do it. Giving them an attaboy, giving them a, ah, it's not as bad as it looks. Yeah, it does look pretty bad, but God looks pretty good. And faith in his word. You got a mountain? Well, we already got scripture on moving mountains. Let's, let's, uh, and so we're uh, exhorting. The word exhorting means to invite or to encourage. So you've got to be proactive there on both of those. You've got to intervene in people's lives. They don't generally, most people do not, they stay out of their other people's circles. They stay in their life and they'll respond if you, if you come into their life, but they're not looking. Most people are not uh, outward. They'll, they'll, they'll speak when they're spoken to. They'll respond when someone asks them. But it takes people like Lynn and me to go out there and just stir up something. Just like, ah, you're just sitting there. I'm fixing to fix that. <laughs> you're not doing anything. Let me, let me be a meteor that comes into your life and blows everything up. That's, that's what, that's what you got to do because the time is, is moving. You will never have what was in yesterday. It is gone forever. All you got is this afternoon. And if I don't hurry up, you won't have much of that. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, uh, my future is set in the assembly of the saints. Isn't that what he said? Forsaking, not, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. So there's something really powerful in the assembling of the saints. Of the pro or the envisioned saints. I'm not talking about people that are as dull as a rock. I'm talking about people that are activated. River Church, are you activated? Have you got a plan that's been sown and watered in your life and, and it's growing and you can see the potential and you can see the, the future. It's exciting to get to where it's going. It's like we got to get up and water that thing because I can't wait to see what God's got for me. And, and that's a whole world different than most people. It's like I, I hope I can make it today. Just hope I can get through today. Well, dear Lord, you're going to get up tomorrow hoping that? You have a life of hopelessness. You have a life that's not really worth living, but you're just taking up space. Shouldn't have said that, I'm sure, but the truth of it is, if you can't do anything, go to heaven. Well, that's not the answer. The answer is do something. <laughs> do something, because every one of us is important. I told y'all years ago about the man that uh, uh, in West Texas that uh, was on the back of his daddy's tractor. And uh, you lift the implement up. There's two arms in the back of the tractor. And there's a rocker, kind of like a crankshaft, and it lifts the implement up. Well, there's a scissor thing that when it lifts it up, this, this rod comes up, lifting it up. But his foot was right there and cut off the front part of his foot. Well, uh, uh, Harmon learned to walk without a foot, but it was unhandy. You need those toes. You need that, that rolling part of your foot. It's, it's unhandy. We need everybody. Uh, you need me, and I sure need you. And whoever else he rolls into my life. If you hadn't got it or you won't give it, he'll just roll somebody else into my life, and they'll deliver but if I'm busy, too busy, or if I'm distracted and too distracted or, or anything, or if I don't regard the vessel. Well, you don't look very important, or you're a woman, or you're a, a race that I don't regard, or you're a, a, an education level that I don't uh, respect. You're going to miss it. Because the vessel has nothing to do with it. It's what's in it. So how many things have we all missed because we judged? 
Somebody looked at me and said, you're too short to have anything. But do with that then. <laughs> so you cannot succeed without doing church right. People ask me, and I, I know you, they ask you, you know, I don't think you have to be, go to church to be a Christian. You're, that's right. But you can't be a strong Christian. You can't be on fire. Because there's something that God withheld for the church that says, I'll, I'll get them to go in there. Because they never can make it without the church. So uh, we, we come to church with two hands out. One to bring life. And one to receive abundant life. Yes. One to bring life. I hope you came to church this morning saying it. Like me, I had two words of knowledge this morning. You should have some. You ought to get them in the parking lot and say, hey, here's what the Lord said to me to give to you. You go, well, that's the preacher's job. Well, you'd be wrong. I, it's, a, it's a believer's job. And I just acted in my public place to, to, uh, as the pastor. But... And I'm not saying go out and be a parking lot prophet, of course, where that's all you do. But we ought to have a word for people. They ought to be on our heart because when people are on your heart, when people are your, your goal, your dream, when you want to be with the right people, things come up. The only reason we don't have anything is because we're not thinking of anything. We're thinking of me. Where am I going to eat lunch and how am I going to pay this bill and how am I, what am I... Right. You're not going to get anything for the saints if, if it's just me, me, me. The lights are shining on you. You've got to get the light on people. Let's go back to verse 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly. So part of that is in the assembly of the saints. Church is important. I know lots of churches wreck it. But lots of people wreck cars and they keep driving them. They, they wreck marriages and they keep driving them or uh, driving in them. And they, they wreck their kids, but we keep having kids. And so the, lots, of, lots of churches are wrecks. And we've all heard about the pastor that ran off with the secretary or that somebody that got off with the money or that wh whatever we've all heard. That's, that's not me. They've all wrecked it, but I haven't. Have you? We're good. Even though others wreck it, that's not us. And we refuse to be painted by stereotypes of things that have happened to other people. Because it's not me. The accuser of the brethren is everywhere. Turn with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 4. This get hooked up with heaven. You could just about say anything. And you could say, well, yeah, that was under that. That's, that was in that subject realm. It's people. Now, once you get this, it'll change your life. And hardly anybody gets it. They just acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people are everything. People are the worst of life and the best of life. I say that about family. Family in the church is the best of life and the worst of life, church life. Lots of churches have family in them until they don't. And how did they leave? Well, it was a wreck. Same thing with you. Your family, you love them the most, but you, you despise them the most too at times. Don't they? Don't you? Don't, it's all that. So people are everything. People are, where, are the reason that God gives us a vision, a dream, a purpose, a course, a race. It's for people. You and I are ready. We're done. I... I'm ready to go to heaven. I don't need to be pre-qualified. I'm, I'm already in. So why am I still down here? Because all we do are eating groceries and driving to the movies and, uh, and whatever we're doing, we're just circulating. There's not anything that makes us so powerful that the earth quits turning when we don't, if we were to leave. I tell you, just watch somebody depart from this world and see how little difference it makes. It's like that proverbial thing. You put your finger in the bowl of water and you pull out and you realize there's not a hole there. It's the same thing with people. Nobody needs us. But yet, we're the very reason people do need us. Because we are vessels. There's something inside of us. And uh, what's inside you is so valuable. But it's like mining for gold. They say, I've read, that it takes, it takes a, uh, a ton of gold or... 2,000 pounds to yield three ounces. 
well, there's 16 ounces in a pound. There's 2,000 pounds in a ton. You can see it's a very low level, so you're going to have to be careful. You can't just run uh, gold ore through and just, uh, you, you got to really bear down on it. Well, that's the way it is in people. There's gold in all people, but it takes, it takes a, a bent or a focus to get the, the gold out of people. Because they're not giving it up easily. They're afraid of other people because they've all been burned. They've all been roasted. They've all been tried by somebody. And so, you know, the cat that jumps on the hot stove never jumps on any stove, Mark Twain said. Well, we're, that's the way we are. It's like, I'm not jumping on that stove. I've been burned. Jump on the stove. People are worth it. Yeah. And there's no reason for you and I to be here if we're not investing in people. Because the Lord invested in us, we're done. We're good. I'm born again. I'm spirit-filled. I, I love Jesus. Can't wait to see him and be with him full-time all the time. But until then, what is it? It's people. And so what, what do I do with people? Will you impart or you receive? You transact with people. That's all people are. And I don't mean all, but I mean that's what's happening. There's an exchange. You're either flowing out to somebody or you're flowing in from somebody. And if you don't know that, you're closed off, you're airtight, you're, you're a miserable Christian. You're self-centered and you're always just focusing on your problem. And you know, we know that, that whatever you think about is what comes to pass. That's what's coming your way. That's right. Whatever you think about is getting bigger. Yes. Think about the victory, big, bigger. You think about demise and going under and can't handle it and what are we going to do? Gets bigger. That's real. That may be the best thing I say this morning. Whatever you think about gets bigger. So where, where are we? Hallelujah. So people, people are even either uh, multiplying your life or subtracting out of your life. So that's why the word says be careful who you're with. The word says, uh, we'll, we'll look at it in a, well that's what we're, where we are right now. Chapter 4 verse 24. Let's look at that so I don't have to go preach past it. Uh, uh, verse 23 says, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. The word there is understand. It's not an audio thing. It's if any man have ears to understand, let him understand. And he said to them, here it is, take heed what ye hear. With that what measure ye meet or give out, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. So the word here, there, the last part is to, is to hold fast. To unto you that hear. To you that get involved to hear. So when, when I'm with people, generally speaking, you can't say, anybody can't say, I do it all the time. Deborah Ann tells me sometimes, you, you don't listen to me. You don't, you don't hear what I'm saying. I hear more than what she thinks, but that's another day. Ah, we're here to hear. Because it's not just their intellect or their experience that you're listening for. God will use other people to speak a mystery to you that they don't know much about. But it's life and light to you. Now I have no idea about these two men that I had that word for. I do not know what either of those words mean. In the sense of impact, import. But they do. So I didn't, didn't give them a word from, under, from understanding or experience. By the Holy Ghost, and He, He knows. They may not even understand yet, but the Word will still keep working, won't it? Yeah. So, so it's going to come to pass. So, uh, uh, I now, uh, what can I say about this? Take heed what you hear. Position yourself to hear. Do you know how many people sleep in church? I'm not talking about River Church. We have no sleepers here. In Jesus' name. <laughs> uh, Pastor Fred Price used to find someone sleeping and he would stand them up and, and, and make them. <laughs> yeah. If you slept in his church, he's going to put you on national TV. I don't know if he did that. But anyway, um, uh, we got to position ourselves to hear. That's what I was saying. When you come to church, you got to say, what's God got for me? 
Not what does pastor have for me, but what God's got. And, and if pastor doesn't deliver anything, it could be on the way out the door. Or it could be, you need, you need to know every service, every time we appoint ourselves to, to hear, there's something to be heard. You never should leave church saying, I didn't get nothing out of that. You're wrong. You just didn't have ears to hear, ears to understand. Because there's something in every service. We are Holy Spirit led. We're Holy Spirit directed. And it's beyond our understanding. I'd have to take a poll every week and say, well, what do you need? I'll get up and see if I can address it. That's called counseling. We don't counsel here. We're an oracle. Praise God. So, um, but some people, they're, they're, uh, they got a wrong attitude. They got a wrong approach. They're, they're a little negative about stuff. It's like, um, yeah, uh, this has happened before. I'll ask people to, would you, would, you come, could, would you come meet with me in my office? Can you come on Tuesday? And here's what they say. What'd I do? Yeah, what'd I do? Now, y'all know that's wrong? Because I've never had anybody in, in my office that I... I've never done it. It's always been for increase. What did I do? There's people, though, that, uh, that don't want to do things, and they'll make up flimsy excuses. You say, let's go, let's go work, work this... Let's go down in our neighborhood here. Well, my feet hurt. Well, it's not a good time of day. My wife needs me. And they just start playing around these things. And it's like, you think we can't see that? You think we can't understand that? You Just say, don't want to. Wouldn't that be more honest? Wouldn't the Lord, couldn't the Lord deal with that? Versus all this other Mickey Mouse mess about, I, I, I'm busy. I can't do it. I'm, you know, I don't want to go. Or I, I think I'll. It's lame excuses, and it's, it's being unaccountable. I want to be accountable. I hear about a meeting, or I hear about a book, or I hear about a teaching, and uh, sometimes somebody will bring me stuff. Oh. <laughs> I can hardly tell you the stuff that used to come to me. It's like, you need to listen to this tape. <laughs> no, I don't. I got 100 tapes. You need to just tell me, here's one that I really enjoyed, and I'll write it down. But it's cowardly. It's, it's even rebellious uh, about any situation that we don't have ears to hear. We don't position ourselves to hear. You will, you will be unchanged if you don't have ears to hear. You, you will leave the way you came if you don't have ears to hear. So that's my job when I'm in a place like this or if I'm just with you. With, if I'm just with you, I've got to put on ears to hear. What's Lisa going to say? What's Madison going to say? What's Jonathan going to say that there's not a nugget of gold in there that God wanted me to hear? But he couldn't get it to me because I, I had, uh, I had uh, prejudices or I had, uh, I had uh, paradigms in my thinking that I wouldn't think that way. I just wouldn't think that way. You'd never think that way. You know, I talk to people sometimes about a spirit of poverty and they don't want to hear it. It's like, not me. We got plenty. Did you know you could be a millionaire and have a spirit of lack in your life? Yes. Yeah, well, you're supposed to be a gazillionaire, and there you are with a flimsy, paltry little million. You, well, we're pretty good. We got a million. You're not doing jack. It's going to take billions to finance this end-time message. What are you doing with that? But they'll, they'll say, I don't have a spirit of lack. Look, it's how you think. I know some millionaires that are absolutely living on their social security and they don't cross the line. I, I heard they got two for one ice creams down at the Dairy Queen. We, I think we can go. I think we can pull it off. And you go, what? Anyway, I'm not going to get on that. <laughs> it's too late, isn't it? Uh, are we in Mark chapter 4? No, we already been, done that. So uh, I want to go to Titus chapter 2. Now, I wrote it down on my paper because I didn't know if I could find it. It's page 1038. Okay. <laughs> now, without a vision, say vision. vision. Without a vision, you will waste your life. Yeah. That's right. You will waste your life. Your life is no more valuable 
not to God, you're precious, we are his very favorite. But as far as getting things done in the kingdom, your life is no more valuable than the, the vision that you have in, in your life. Um, let me quote to you a scripture. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'll just turn there and get it. This might fit somebody. It fits me all the time. I read this scripture all the time. And when I can put it in a message, I always do. In chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is, he is, he is whooping on that church at Corinth. Or Corinth and he's, he's telling them how the cow eats the cabbage. Y'all need to know how the cow eats the cabbage? Hallelujah. He said, for ye are yet carnal, verse 3, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. He said, are ye not carnal and walk as men? If you look that up behind the scenes, are you not walking as mere men or humanity men? You go, well, that's who we are. No, it's not. That's who you were. And you can still find vestiges. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a male. I'm, I'm a man. That, that's, that's, but that's not how I identify. I'm a white man. Okay, yeah, let's get this. I'm a short white man. How much you want to describe me? None of it is who I am. Even though there are identifiers that, that say that's true, that's true, and that's true. Uh, that's not who I am. That's not what I'm known in for in the spiritual realm, both to God and to hell. They don't say, look, well, who's that, white, that short white man coming? That never comes up, does it? That's not a part. It's not a limitation. It's not an attribute. And church, we got to go there. We got to go there with each other and we got to go that way with the world. That, that, uh, the, the word talks about that we can no longer know one another after the flesh, but after the spirit. I, that's, that's who we are. Sure, you put a dress on this morning or you put a tie on or whatever you did because that's a part of some identifier in your life. You don't have on high heels, I hope, if you're a man and all that sort of thing. But that's not who we are. That's not who we look to. That's not who we're listening, having ears to hear, to understand. Is, I, wonder what, I wonder what a short white man has to say. You're just so wrong. You're just so out of it. You're so missing it. You don't have ears to hear. It's what does the, what is, what is the oracle? What does the person, what does the, the, the man that's speaking, the woman that's speaking have to say? I'm going to put on ears to hear. So it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 3.3, 3, he said, Are you not carnal and walk as men? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't walk as mere men. The implication there is the word is mere men or as humanity man. It's a low level of identifier. We all are one or the other. We're all male or female. We're all tall or short. We're all, you know, whatever you are, whatever you are. There's race. There's, there's, uh, if, if, yeah, national origin. There's all these things that are in our makeup. None of them matter. It's just, it's just the body that's carrying you. That's right. And it has nothing. We pay no attention to it because there's not, not a thing you could do about it. I, I told Deborah and I said, bless your heart, woman. Don't you wish you could have been made a man? I'm just, I'm just poking at her. Yeah, and she said, I like being a woman. I, I wouldn't want to be what you are. <laughs> I mean, it's along that same conversation. Amen? In Titus chapter 2, I'm, I'm, I'm back. Uh, chapter 13, now verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God in our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, he gave himself for us. He gave himself for me that I might, that he might redeem me from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people or a peculiar person, zealous of good works. I'm a peculiar 
person. And I know y'all would all say, that's for sure, amen to that. But that's not what it's talking about, is it? Uh, we, we, the word means an, uh, uh, an acquired person. There's something in me that's more than the basics. And if you're born again this morning, there's more to you than just your gender, your height, your, your, your education level, whatever, whatever. We don't care. We don't care. We don't want to care. We don't want to have any place of that. And see, you, if you wonder why the world's messed up in the United States and around the world right now about all these things, is because they are mere men. They are carnal. That's all they've got to talk about is, well, are you a racist or are you a misogynist or are you whatever, whatever people are labeling people. It's a low level. It's a low level of life and of identification. But that's all they've got. They are mere men. They are mere humanity. That's all there is. And so sticks and stones can break my bones, but your words will never harm me. That's all they've got is words. Right. Amen. And to bring people down. Well, who does it work on? People just like them. But doesn't work on me. Call me what you want, but that's not necessarily who I am. I'm not mere men. Although you could say, yeah, I was born in this world and I put my britches on just like everything's the same. But that's not who I am. I'm an American, but that that's not who I am. I could be Ethiopian or Nicaraguan or whatever people are. It wouldn't matter. I couldn't do anything about it. Could you? Could, are you here because you want to be here? Or that you, no. It was your lot. It's, it's how you got into life. Well, if it's, in, if it's indiscriminate, if it's not something that you could choose, like, well, why are you, why are you short? Why did you choose short? Wouldn't that be the stupidest question? You know? Well, why are you getting to be uh, a man? Or white? Or whatever. I asked my mother that myself. Why? Why are we short? <laughs> we didn't choose it. So it doesn't matter. 1 Peter 2.9 says, Ye are peculiar people. I'm a peculiar people. I am... Not mere men. You are not mere man, mere woman. You are not mere, mere. We are so much more. So why are we talking about this? We're talking about it how you will accept a lower standard than heaven if you put yourself in a category that is already lower. Because just mere men doesn't get anything from heaven. You can't get anything from God by being a person on the earth. You, you got to qualify by faith. And, uh, and so we got to prepare. We got to put a vision in. We got to see ourselves not as a mere man. Well, I'm, I, I wish I had more education. Well, we all could probably do that. I'm telling you, I, uh, uh, I left school. I had six majors in five semesters. You go, how'd you do that? Well, I held on to one till the end of the semester. They wouldn't change it in mid-semester. And when I got to the end of the semester to change it, I'd already changed my mind again. It wasn't even, if I'd have changed, I'd have changed again. So I had six majors, basically, in five semesters. I was a wreck. I was, make, I was making good grades in all of them, but I was totally uninterested. And then I went to farming. Woo-hoo, I found my call in life. Ah, it wasn't my call in life. It just put me in hold until I could get my calling. And that's what you are. We're passing through stuff. We're not going to anything. We're passing through things to get to where we're going. So I, until I got a vision. Now, when I got a vision, the, I didn't have my education, didn't have my college education, as it were. But I went back to school. And 19 years after high school graduation, 19 years, I got my degree. Well, I'd been to six different schools in that little five semesters. Yeah, five semesters. I went to well, I went to five different places, plus I had an online thing. I went to Bible school with Robert Tilton, and they counted that. And I graduated with 128 hours. Well, that's exactly what you've got to have. You can't graduate with less. But almost all people, that, especially that changed 
majors like I did, they have, they're stacked up. They were a biology major, they were a scientist, they were a whatever, and they took all these courses and they didn't work towards their graduation. I got them all in and took not one extra hour. Now that's supernatural, but that's not who I am. I'm somewhat educated. If you can call a bachelor's educated, it means nothing. Nothing. It's just something you do to go do something that you love to do. Paul said, I'm going to be all things to all people that I might, I might by, by that win one. Uh, it's not who you are. Don't base it on your education. Don't say, I'm a, hot, I'm a hot biscuit because I've got this or that. No, you're not. You're just a biscuit. <laughs> there ain't nothing special about you. It's who you are in Jesus Christ. It's the mountains you can move. It's the, the fears you can quell. It's the speaking to the storm or the mountain. It's, it's not your education. It's not your experience, your resume. Well, I've worked for this and ran that and directed this and I was the head of a company and I had a million. We don't care. Nobody cares. What have you got that counts? Where am I going to go? I'm out of time. I'm going to go to Second Peter. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm out of time, but I'm going to Second Peter. <laughs> What's wrong with him? He's peculiar. <laughs> uh, chapter 1, verse 10 of 2 Peter. I've got to get this in so I can tie this off. Wherefore, now this is what I like. This is, this is where we're going with all that other stuff. This is where we're going. Verse 10, where, wherefore the rather, brethren, wherefore the rather, so you can tell in verse 1 through 9, he's talking about the rather. He's talking about... Uh, other things and he sums it up in verse 10 he says I said that to say this give diligence to make your calling and election sure why what's the benefit for if ye do these things ye shall never fall point yourself with me this morning and say hey you hey. ye shall never fall you shall never fall you go, I, I'm tired of falling. I'm tired of this, this failure and this mess up and this, this incomplete and this unfulfilling and this, this thing that men make me do and this compromise I'm having to do. I'm tired of all that. Well, make your calling and election sure. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, we're going to have to exhort the brethren. We're going to have to be looking at people. And when we're going out with our lives, then he comes in. As long as you're thinking about you, me, 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 I want to do this, I have to have that, uh, this will be good for me, this will pay good, this will, this will, as long as you're in that, you're, you, you, you're, you're, you're pumping out and nothing's coming in. You're, pumping, you're trying to promote yourself. But if you start promoting people and just said, I'm not a mere man, I'm, I'm a spiritual man, I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go read the word. I'm going to go assemble myself with the saints. I'm going to get in the shower. It's been six days. I ought to get in the shower. Hallelujah. Well, when you're in there, the Lord will drop it down on you. You're looking for the bar of soap at the bottom of the shower and, and that you dropped, and all of a sudden, he'll speak the end of the answer to you. And suddenly, you're set. And the Bible says you'll never fall. It goes on in verse 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you, so a door, uh, an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you something. Here, uh, here it says, if you do these things, if you do these things, what does it say? An entrance shall be made unto you. Now, what have you got going on that's more important than God making an entrance into you about your future? What, what is it that you got that's so hot on the plate that you don't need the vision from heaven that's specifically and uniquely tailored to, to you. It's all about you, Wendy Alexander. It's all about you, uh, Pamela Gann. It's just you. It won't fit for, for Lisa. It won't fit for, for Lynn. It's just you. It's like I ordered a suit and I went in and they fit me and I'm going to pick up my suit and it won't fit you or you. I can't give any of my clothes away because everything's too short. <laughs> the pants come up to their knees. <laughs> it's just made for me. Hallelujah. Uh, 
It, it won't work for anybody else. And you need, you need what God's got for you. But what if this was true? What if you gave yourself to this and God would, would speak into you if he'd make a door? What if that were true? Here's the question I always ask, and I'm going to wind up with this. Does it take all of your life to live your life? You go, well, I'm too busy. It takes all of your life to live your life. You, you, there's nothing left over for you. You're full up. You're full of you. You're full of uh, what you've done, your failures, your successes, your, your possibilities. So many people, it's like I'm on the very brink of breakthrough. Did you know you can be 50 years on the brink of breakthrough and never break through? Yeah. And so you've got to stop. If this was true, that so an entrance will be made abundantly into you. What, what it means when you take all your life to live your life, there's no energy left for life. Your overhead is eating everything up. Your overhead to get through the day, to get yourself emotionally stabilized, to get your grass mowed, to get your car changed to oil. It takes a lot for everybody. You got to stop. You got to just let the oil go and just say, God, I'm just going to believe for 10,000 10, miles on this change, but I got to go find me a place. I got to go spend some time. I got to ask the right questions. So many people are not asking the right questions. Well, God doesn't answer. Well, that's because you're asking the wrong questions. You're asking about this situation and what about they said to me this and what about this? Is that? That's not the question. That's just life got to ask the question like, what do you want me to do, Lord? What, what's, what, how, how am I wired? I'm wired specifically for a particular thing. What is the next step in that? What is, what is the door to this hall that's got a lot of doors in it, but I got to get in the hall before I can even open another door. I got to get in the hall. Which door gets into the right hall? He'll tell you. He'll tell you. But if you're asking about where's my 401k supposed to go, Ah, you probably won't get a life answer. Maybe you ought to ask that question, but it'd be after you already knew where you were going. So, uh, you know, uh, Debran put a puzzle together the other day that had uh, how many pieces? 5,000 pieces. Wow. Now, that's either some little pieces or it takes up the whole wall. It's a lot. And in this case, it was that. It took up the whole big table. And, uh, but you know, while, while, and I didn't help, but I was there while other people helped. You know what they looked at the whole time they were putting that puzzle together? The box top. Do you know how challenging? We'd still be working on the first 16 pieces if all the pieces were turned over. Or if you threw away the box top. But if you turned all the pieces over and all you saw that was that gray cardboardy look that's on the back of puzzles and you said, put this together. Can you imagine the enormity of that, the futility of that? Or if you just put them all upright, but you threw away the box. So you got green, you got yellow, you got orange, you got, you got everything, but you don't know what the end of it's supposed to look like. That's how most people are with their lives. You need a box top. How, how, how important is the box top? It's everything. And so imagine your life being 5,000 pieces and you not having a box top. And you're trying to piece this together. You're trying to get to the other side. You're trying to make progress. I'd come in and, uh, and she'd say, I'd say, you know, 5,000 pieces. You, you don't notice a lot. You know, she may have worked on 100 pieces over here, but there's 50 hundred piece sections in a 5,000. So I'd say, didn't get nothing today? Well, yeah, look, I got this whole section over here. Oh, wow, yeah, 1 50th. <laughs> Isn't that great? Well, people never get to the, that's why it takes all of their life because they don't have a box top. No box top. So it's like, what'd you do? Well, I just shuffled the pieces around. I just stirred them and it took me all day long to stir them, but I didn't get anything done because we don't know where we're going. You got to have a vision from God. You got to know what your next step is. Now, it is, it's 12, so I'm, I am, I'm closer to quitting than ever. <laughs> this is a good message. It is. 
this is this is life changing if you're in the position for this to change your life. It's just noise if it's not. I'm just noisy to you if 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 this doesn't change your life. But uh, it, the reason it takes all people's lives is because they don't know where they're going. So you got to spend a little time on mowing the grass and shining your shoes and getting a haircut. It does take some life, but it should be a small part. This life's going on. It's going on. Now, the world, the world is visionless. They don't know where they're going. They get fixated. They got a degree because Daddy said, you are going to college, and we're, we're, we're going to be... Uh, the, the, the Joneses here, we're all going to be educated. So that's why you went to school. Uh, whatever. There's no preachers in my family. They're all again it. I can tell you the other day, my dad asked me. I'm 67 years old. I've been in the ministry for 40 years. The other day, he asked me, what do you think about coming back to West Texas and farming with me? Oh, my. See, he has no idea who I am and what I do. It's no idea. No regard. I, I hate to talk about my father on film, but, but I'm just, that's where he is. His whole vision was farming. And he didn't have any other vision. We were in the Air Force 20 years just to get to retirement so we could go back and farm. And, you know, and I loved farming. But that's not who I am. And I had to get through a lot of farm to get to who I was. Well, maybe you've already gotten through some stuff. And whether it was God or not, you know, the farm got me to where I needed to be. But uh, I could have got there another way. Yeah, that wasn't the only path. Well, God used that. Well, thank God. He, he could use anything to eventually steer you to where you're supposed to go. Time's a-wasting. Right. Did you know you just have so many days? Whether you depart or Jesus comes and gets us all. B. <laughs> B. <laughs> we want him to come get us all. But you just got so, there's just so many days, and there's, there's going to be a lot of regret. Ah, if I'd have known he was coming so soon, I'd have done more. That's absolutely a lie. Because we had all the time we needed. Yes. God's fair, and he's given you all the time. The way you multiply time, and I'm going to quit with this. Is people multiply time. You can't do more. You're not supernatural in the sense of putting stuff together. He can help us with some, yes. some tips and some... But, but the way you get more done is with people. You get to be a part of somebody else's vision and, and it expedited. Two is better than one. So you become a part of River Church and we do more together than we could do separately. And... Uh, uh, the kingdom. We're all big family. So we just fit. Well, I want to run it. I don't want to work for somebody else. Poor little thing. Poor little pitiful fool. That's not it. If you're supposed to be it, you'll go reluctantly. If you're supposed to lead it. I've asked the Lord for, for 35 years or more. Can I go help somebody? I am a good helper. And I am. I'm a good helper. I'm loyal. I'm submitted. I don't have to be in front of anything. And... Uh, I've also asked him if I could go overseas. And I got turned down on both of those. So here I am. I'm happy as a dead hog in the sunshine, as my dad used to say. I asked him the other day, what does that mean? He said, I'm up. <laughs> Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, we pray to do what's in our heart to do, to change our course, to not abandon what we're doing, but Lord, to make it little, to make it where we're not consumed with the affairs of life, that they are just means to an end. They're just necessary workings to do what's really the purpose for us being on the earth. And Lord, we want to make our calling and election sure. I want to. I want to adjust. I don't want to say one and done. I got there and I'm, he showed me one thing and I'm done forever. I want to transition and go through things to get to things. And we should not settle to be mere men, to think like people, to have such a finality and a, and, a, and a smallness to our lives. We are the unlimited one. We are the peculiar one. We are the ones that are different because you have made yourself, you have revealed yourself to us. 
So, Lord, right now, we just say, I'm in. I'm not going to do it the way I've been doing it, no matter how good I was at doing it, how dedicated and fervent I was in seeking you. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do more. I'm going to increase today because the word of the Lord came today to me. The word of the Lord came to us today and said, thus saith the Lord, make your calling and election sure. So, Lord, I'm, I'm going to have ears to hear. I'm going to understand that means me. Even though there was these people in the room with me, he was speaking to me because you were speaking to me. And I'm going to change it. I'm not going to be as I was. I'm going to be as you made me. In Jesus' name, we say yes. Yes. Amen. And amen. Woohoo! Glory to God. Yay! Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for tuning in this morning. Someone that's got blurry vision. You've got blurry vision. And you're very concerned about it. And they're not sure. They, they've told you some things, but they're not sure what caused it. They can just tell you that, yeah, it's, it's not good. And I tell you in the name of Jesus, be healed in your eyesight. I command 2020 vision to come into your eyes right now. Jesus is Lord and he's making your life different. Now go and serve him with your new life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.